Bible reading this morning is from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 12, and that's on page 1227. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 12, and on page 1227 in the Blue Bibles. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Thanks, Tracy. Our title for this morning's sermon is The Advent of Love, because with the coming of Christ, love has arrived. Uh, There's a book called Smart Marriages, and um, in that book, some researchers asked the question to a bunch of four to eight-year-olds, what does love mean? And uh, here are some of their responses. Chrissy, age six, says, Love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your French fries without making them give you any of theirs. Um, I'll list out a few more just because it's quite funny. Uh, Love is what makes you smile when you're tired. That's Terry, age four. Um, Danny, age seven. Love is when my mummy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a little sip before giving it to him to make sure the taste is okay. (laughs) That's sweet. Uh, love is when mummy gives daddy the best piece of chicken, Elaine, aged five. Oh, I'll do one more. Uh, what's, which one? Let's go for... Oh, this is a sweet one. Rebecca, aged eight. When my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore, so my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. It's nice, isn't it? Um, love is, is, might well be the best thing that human beings do. We all want to love and be loved, but I wonder if we expect too much of it. Mel and I watched a Christmas film called Love Actually on Friday. We can put it up on the screen. Um, Please don't take this, by the way, as an endorsement of that film, because there's some well-dodgy stuff in it. Um, It's really terrible in parts, but it's also wonderful in others, and that's sort of the point of this illustration. Um, It's a Christmassy collection of star-studded love stories. So the Prime Minister falls for his assistant and uh, knocks on every door on a long street trying to find her. A 10-year-old tries to win the affection of one of his classmates by learning to play the drums. And a writer proposes to his housekeeper, even though they don't speak the same language. Um, It's very sweet. But, um, and as you might expect, much of it is very heartwarming. So if we click on to the next slide... We've got this guy here who silently professes his love through cue cards while Christmas carols play. Very, very sweet. But 
this film is so dysfunctional and the love in it is so messed up. So this guy, he's actually professing his love to his best friend's wife after he was the best man at their wedding. Really messed up. Another storyline follows a guy who's reduced the idea of love to casual sex. Other stories leave people crushed by unfaithfulness or devastated by the loss of a loved one. This film is wonderful at times, but terrible at others, because that's exactly what human love is like. Sometimes wonderful, sometimes terrible. Love can give us excitement, joy, purpose, fulfillment, meaning, security, and comfort. But at the same time, love can also give us jealousy, temptation, betrayal, disappointment, and devastating loss. Living with love as our ultimate goal just doesn't work. We put too much hope in it. It's not fair to expect your parents, your friends, your child, um, your spouse to satisfy your need for love. They were never made to carry that heavy a responsibility. It's asking too much of them. We were made for so much more than human love. We were made for God's perfect love. Only his love will satisfy that desire in us. But, you ask, is God's love really for me? Is God's love really for me? I can just about imagine God loving some really saintly people, or I can just about get on board with the idea that God loves the human race in a general sort of way. But is God's love really for me? This might be the only time you've come to church this year. Uh, If that's you, you are so, so welcome. It's really good to see you. How can you be sure God loves you? You might have followed Jesus well in the past, of some of others here, but this year your heart might have grown cold or you feel like you've let him down in some way. How can you be sure that God loves you? Or maybe your Christian life has become all about doing, 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 serving, 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 and so the idea of God's love has been put on the back burner. How can you be sure that God loves you? That's our question on the next slide. How can I be sure God loves me? And uh, there are two answers to that question. One in 1 John 4 verse 9, one in 1 John 4 verse 10. Uh, So let's click on and uh, start with the first answer. How can I be sure God loves me? He sent his only son into the world. There's verse 9 up on the screen. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. We'll highlight the first part of that sentence in yellow. This is how God showed his love among us. That first part of the verse reveals that God's love is not just in words. It's not just a feeling. It's something that has been demonstrated. It's something that's been made visible. It's something that has been shown in history. God shows his love in action. Through all eternity, the Trinity God existed in the ultimate expression of love, the Father loving the Son through the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons in perfect loving relationship. That love was so full that it couldn't help but overflow into the world. And so because God is love, the Father sent his one and only Son into the world. Let's click on to the next slide and highlight the next bit. 
Here's a story from a Bible teacher named Julia. After two miscarriages and nine long months of worry, on the day after Christmas and the day before my birthday, I finally held in my arms a baby, a tiny little boy, perfectly made, healthy, the cutest little baby you ever saw. Today, my son is 23. As he began his college years and then earlier this year got his first apartment, I experienced the part of parenting where you send them out into the world. I thought as race packed up his, little th- his, his things and moving day came, how did we get here so quickly? I remembered sitting on the couch with him as a brand new baby and marveling over his tiny fingers and toes. I remember as a little boy when mummy was his world and he wanted to grow up to be an astronaut so he could pick the stars out of the sky and bring them home to mummy. Now, all of a sudden, I have to let him go into the world, a place of sin and evil. I spent the day helping race move and settle into his apartment and as I drove away towards home, I felt as if I left a part of my heart there in that apartment. And I thought, did God feel this way when he sent his son into the world? When God sent his one and only son into the world, he was sending us part of his heart. You see, the father knew exactly what this world was like. He understood what it would cost to send his only son. He knew that becoming human would mean his son's physical pain and emotional hurt. He knew it would mean taking on a baby's mind, becoming dependent and helpless. He knew how cold the manger would feel against his skin. He knew that growing up as a carpenter's son would mean poverty and shame and hunger. He knew people wouldn't understand him. He knew people would reject his son, even as he reached out towards them in love. God the Father knew the world was a dangerous place that would hunt and hate his son. And he still sent him. What wonderful love. Why? Verse 9 continues, and we'll click on and highlight the last part of the verse. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Yes, God knew that this world was dangerous, but he also saw that this world was dying. Father, Son, and Spirit looked into the world that they had made and saw that it was lifeless, filled with lifeless people heading towards a lifeless eternity. Everyone here has got a pulse, I hope. Um, But in God's mind, living means more than that. And we know that. We know that when we say things like, um, I don't have a life, like in a particularly busy season. Or when we go through a particularly exciting season, we say, oh, that really made me feel alive. We know that there's more than having a pulse uh, to life. Our creator has designed us in such a way that when we're disconnected from him, we've got no life. But when we're closely connected to him, when we're in relationship to him, that's when we feel most alive. That's when we have real life. Human existence at its best, that life that we all long for but don't know where to look, is found in relationship with God. Jesus himself gave that definition of life when he prayed to his father. John 17 verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that they know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 
and he told his disciples that this was his purpose in coming into the world. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God didn't send his son into the world to tell us off. God didn't send his son into the world motivated by anger. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live, so that we might have life to the full, so that dying, lifeless people might know him and live forever. How can I be sure God loves me? Because he doesn't want you to die. He doesn't want you to go on dying in sin. He doesn't want you to die forever in judgment. He sent his only son into this dangerous, dying world so that you might have life. And there's a second reason that we can know, that, that we can be sure God loves us. We click on. Verse 10 gives us another way we can be sure that God loves us. He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. There's the verse up there. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Naturally, I, th- I think our focus is drawn towards the end of that verse, but it'll be really beneficial if we stay in the first half for just a moment. So let's click on and highlight that. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. God didn't send his son into the world because we loved him. The conversation between father, son, and spirit in all eternity didn't go like this. Look now, in that dangerous dying world, there are some really quite devout religious people. So we'd better do something about this. Look how well they pray. Look at how well they read the scriptures. Look at how well they follow our commandments. We'd better go and help. That wasn't the conversation. Not at all. God came into this world because he loved us, not because we loved him. He loved us even though we didn't love him. The initiative was all his. It's so good to remember that God loved his children before we loved him. If you're his child, then God loved you when you weren't interested. He loved you when you still had your back turned to him. He loved you even after you'd rejected him time and time and time again. He loved you even though he knew what a below-average Christian you'd turn out to be in the end. His love was unearned then. His love is unearned now. He doesn't love you any more on your best days. He doesn't love you any less on your worst days. His love came first. And if you're not God's child yet, he loves you already. The fact that you don't love him doesn't change that. He's not waiting for you to make the first move. He's not tentatively hanging back, scared to approach you until you show some sign of interest. No, God's love comes first. You might not love him yet, but he loves you already. And he's shown that by sending his son as an atoning sacrifice for your sins. Let's highlight the second part of that verse. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Atoning sacrifice is okay. Um, I prefer the words propitiation there. I know that's not a sort of word that we use in day-to-day life at all, but I'll explain it. He sent his son to be the propitiation 
for our sins. When a When a spacecraft re-enters Earth's atmosphere, it travels at tremendous speed and creates enormous heat. And so left unprotected, that spacecraft would um, have no hope of surviving the trip back home. Those inside would be completely burnt up. They would have no hope of survival. Trying to find where I am in my notes. But there's a solution. The heat shield. In ships like the Apollo missions to the moon, the heat shield didn't just absorb or reflect the tremendous heat that was built up on re-entry. Rather, a certain amount of the shield was specifically designed to be sacrificed. That material would take all the heat and be burnt up, be burnt away, be consumed so that those in the space shuttle would survive. That's propitiation. That's the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's why he came into the world. That's how we know that we are loved. Our sins have provoked God's righteous wrath. And Jesus came into this world to be consumed by that wrath on the cross so that we can safely return home. We've only just read in um, verse 8 that God is love. And yet just two verses later, we're talking about his wrath. Like that just doesn't seem to go together. That doesn't seem right. On a surface level, we can't imagine how a God who is love could also be a God who has wrath. But if we look below the surface, we find that actually the relationship is the other way around. If God wasn't love, then then he could be indifferent to the mess we've made of this world. If God wasn't love, then he could turn a blind eye to all the suffering that sin causes. If God wasn't love, then maybe he wouldn't care that we all rejected his son Jesus. But he is love. He loves this world. He loves his people. He loves his son. And so precisely because he is love, his wrath is provoked when sin breaks the world he created, when sin hurts the people he loves, when sin rejects the son that he sent. He has wrath precisely because he is a God of love. Because he is love, he came himself in the person of his son to turn away that wrath to be the propitiation for our sins. Literally, Jesus came to appease the wrath of God. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for sins. All through our lives, we have been storing up God's wrath for ourselves. And yet he decided to take it all for us, for you. How can I be sure God loves me? He sent his one and only son into the world to give us life. How can I be sure God loves me? He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, what should we do with this in conclusion? Receive God's love. Keep receiving God's love. And share God's love. Three ways we can respond. Receive God's love. This might be the only time you come to church this year. God loves you. Our title, The Advent of Love, 
is because the arrival of Jesus means the arrival of love. Speaking of Jesus' arrival, in John chapter 1, verses 12 to 13, we read this. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the rights to become children of God. God loves you. He's already shown it by sending his son. And now you've got a choice before you. Will you receive him or will you reject him? The best way to receive him is to believe in his name. Believe he is who he says he is. Believe he did what he said he did. And accept that that sacrifice was for you. You can continue looking for love in all sorts of places, but in the end, it will leave you with jealousy, temptation, betrayal, devastation, and disappointment. You are made to know so much more. So receive the love of God. And keep receiving God's love. Keep receiving God's love. When you love someone, you want them to know that they are loved. We want our friends to know that we love them, so we send them gifts at Christmas. We uh, want our families to know that we love them, so we plan quality time with them over the next week. Our Father wants his, our Father deeply wants us, his children, to know that we are loved. He's not satisfied when we're intellectually aware of his love. Yes, I know that God loves me. He wants his children to feel the warmth of his heart towards us. You might be one of those people who've followed Jesus well in the past, but in the recent year, you've felt your heart growing cold or you feel like you've let him down. In times like these, we can put up a barrier. Like God's love is still there, but there's a, there's a wall, so we don't feel it. We keep it at a distance. We kind of think we need to sort ourselves out before we can feel God's love again. Rubbish. Rubbish. Your mess and your sin will be sorted out when you know more of the Father's love, not less. Stop distancing yourself. Tear down that wall and God will embrace you in all of your sin and you can work it out together. And for those of you whose Christian life has become all about doing, 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 serving, 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 leaving love on the back burner, know that God loved you before you could contribute anything. And God will continue loving you when all your productivity isn't possible anymore. Maybe you should put down the to-do list for now and just let him love you. Spend time with him. That's what he wants. Uh, this morning, before I was like, leaving, to, leaving to church, uh, I was going a little bit earlier than Mel and Josiah. And uh, I was like, oh, uh, bye, everyone. And Josiah came, like, running out of the room. And he grabbed me around my legs. and was like, Daddy, don't go. <laughs> Daddy, don't go. Like, let's be like that with God. <laughs> Father, don't go. I just want to spend time with you. Let's do that this Christmas. Receive God's love. Keep on receiving God's love. And the final way to respond to this is to share God's love. Verse 11 of John chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 4 says, Dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. Um, occasionally, we might hear the phrase, hurt people hurt people. People who've experienced 
hurt in their lives go on to hurt others. But wonderfully, the opposite is true. Loved people love people. Loved people love people. The um, early church father, Jerome, said that when the apostle John was in his extreme old age, he was so weak that he had to be carried up to the pulpit in order to speak at church meetings. And uh, at the end of each church meeting, he'd give a word of encouragement to the church. And everyone's there kind of waiting for, this is the Apostle John. Like, he's going to preach. That's, that's exciting. This is someone who's been with Jesus. What's he going to say? I could sit here and listen to his, him preach for ages. Here's what he said. Little children, let us love one another. Sermon done. The disciples um, apparently began to grow weary of this one sermon being repeated time and time again, and so they eventually plucked up the courage to ask the Apostle John why he always said the same thing over and over. And uh, John replied, because it is the Lord's commandment, and if this only is done, it is enough. Let's pray. Father God, it's just astonishing that you would love us when we're so undeserving of it, when we continue to let you down, you still love us. Thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your one and only son into this world. Thank you that you sent him to give us life. You sent him to take your righteous wrath against sin. And thank you that if we receive that love, we have life and forgiveness. Please help us to keep on receiving it and please help us to share it with others. In Jesus' name, amen.